It's the B-A-Y-C. I'm a bored ass Welcome to Board Chili Podcast. I'm Farah. 100 Hot Ones is first series of Board Chili Podcast. We'll have 100 apes from all over the world share their ape stories, talking about their projects or fun, or give unique perspectives on working the Web3. In this episode, we invited an amazing ape who just had his bear market garage sale. He's that influencer engineer triple farmer how did your garage sale go it didn't go very well i didn't get any sales actually <laughs> really and i spent money setting it up and doing all the preparation so oh did you really actually have it on the garage sale i just i, I woke up i just had a funny thought what if there was an nft garage sale like what <laughs> it just it cracked me up like walking up to a garage sale and seeing like nfts at the garage sale like, printed out and uh, it was just a funny thought to me so i made oh, my own so- garage sale so you had a grudge cell without having a grudge cell. <laughs> yeah, it was just for the engagement, just for the uh, laughs. I saw Taylor Gang commenting saying it's a quality <laughs> shit posting. I thought it was really funny, but it's very creative. And how long it took you to set everything up? And I don't know, like 20 minutes, maybe. Yeah, I was just thinking of the, there are all these different signs, like grab bag, five random NFTs for a dollar. Ask me about my seed phrase. It's the joke that apes get there. Ape stolen by giving away their seed fries. It's just like cooking breakfast and I wrote those things down. And then honestly, the hardest part was printing everything because I had to do a lot of printer troubleshooting and my piece of shit Epson printer didn't work. So I had to go to the store and I had to wait in line at the store for about 20 minutes to pick up eight sheets of paper. And that was probably the hardest part of the whole thing. But yes, so I do it. I do it for the last. I just don't, I want to entertain people. It's really fun. I saw it on Instagram. Someone reposted to Instagram. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I went back to see it on Twitter and it went wild. So many likes and engagement. And I thought it was very good because during the bear market, everyone's kind of bored and sad. I thought it was a great way to entertaining like the, the audience, which is really fun. That's a very good idea. Very creative. Yeah. But the problem is the night before... My wife and I had a conversation. Do you need to get like a real job? And I was like, I don't know. What do you mean like a real job? Like I got a, I got a real job. And she's like, no, but with a regular salary. Because like we've been together for 13 years. And I've been like, I've been employed with a salary, with a regular paycheck. And we've got kids. So that stuff's obviously very important. And now in this space, like I don't have a regular salary. And it's understandably probably frightening for her. And she's been very supportive the past year that I've been quote unquote full time in the space. Yeah. Right after that, I spent two hours making a fake garage sale. So that's what I'm saying. Maybe not (laughs) the best use of my time given that conversation the night before. Yeah. Like being in the full 100% in the web three, you're not just there being with yourself. You also need a very supportive family. Then you'll be able to do everything that you want. So really appreciate all the Web3 family supporters that giving so much support for the DGEN, for us to do DGEN things, you know, recording podcasts in the mornings. And then this is just amazing. So that kind of lead us to the topic. Like you, you also have a advisory company called Future Proof. So what is it and how did it start? So it's just a little company between me and Two people, Hunter Arrell and Dylan Arrell, just friends of mine that I've met through. Like I met Hunter through literally like replies on Twitter. We were just like reply guys. <laughs> and then he made this reply that was like really insightful and like smart. And I just commented, dude, that's, that was like fucking smart. And I guess that's when we became friends. And it wasn't until he asked to borrow four ETH from me 
to buy a twin flame from Justin Aversano, which at the time was like an eight ETH purchase. And that was literally all the ETH that I had. Like I had half of that four ETH. I had all sell stuff to get it. I didn't have any ETH. And that ended up being like a really great purchase for him because he sold it for 125 ETH. Wow. So I got like, I got a decent like return on my loan to him. <laughs> but that's when I really built trust because like I just get, I just lent him the money. Like I just gave it to him. I'd never met the guy. I didn't really, I knew his name, but I didn't know who he was really. Just that I've, I had this trust right off the bat. I think that happens a lot of times in this space where you just like, you just know who you can trust. And I don't know how that develops, but it's just something about being in the space so much, so many hours of the day, seeing all these interactions, you can tell who's genuine and who's not. So I really didn't have any apprehension about doing that. He gave me like his home address and like his, I think he took a photo of his driver's license and all the shit. I'm like, dude, you don't need to do that. It's fine. But then like, you could have just taken the money after selling it and that paid my, my loan interest, but he did. It all worked out. So wow. yeah, after that, we just found that we were getting like a lot of requests for help. Can you help me with my project? Can you help advise? Can you do like promotion, which we don't generally like to do, don't want to show. So it just kind of made sense to leverage our history with consulting. Like I've been doing software engineering and consulting in that space for literally decades. He'd been doing the same with AI and imaging. So it, it was a good way to leverage our previous skills and our positions to do something that could help other companies, help organizations transition into Web3. That's where we really like to play is that those companies who are wanting to get into the space, wanting to do so in a genuine way, successful way. And yeah, it's, it's been good. We do a little bit of investing as well, primarily in like infrastructure platform type plays. So things that help Web3 work, not necessarily projects themselves. Even though we were invited to invest in Yuga, but then we got rugged by the law firm. So I'm going to FUD apes from now on, now that I've rejected my investment. <laughs> That's really cool that you got invited by you investing in Yuga. <laughs> but it was like the day of the announcement. So I was like, hey, we got, we had this round. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I just got an email from Gargo. Hey, do you want to participate? And I was like, oh, sure. Now you tell me. But then we went back and forth with the law firm or whatever that was doing it. And it just kind of ghosted me. So Wait, so was that at the $4 billion evaluation? Yeah. It's probably for the best. I don't think I would have made money on it. So I just well, wanted to. Part of it. It's amazing. Yeah, oh, under that NFT, that, that party round NFT. That's all yeah. I wanted. Yeah. And it's really cool that the fact they invited you to invest in them because so many people are trying so hard to get in the round. And they couldn't, but then you're invited in it. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it makes me feel good. It doesn't make me feel good that the law firm ghosted me. I don't feel good about that. <laughs> I believe everything happened for a reason. That I, is... I guess. <laughs> <laughs> make me feel better. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I feel like in the Web3, I've seen a lot of co-founder stories are more like they became friends first and they built this level of trust and then they start to talk about business. And I like it how how this landing in the web three as of we see a lot of failures on web two founders because they're different personality because they don't trust each other we have a huge problem in web three on this too like building trust in a web three is really difficult and seeing someone like you be able to lend a stranger for ease which is quite a lot of money maybe it's, it was ten thousand dollars at the time or even more yeah yeah and be able to lend it to someone that which is everything that you have 
it's a lot. It's, it's crazy, like how sincere and people can be, and in this Web three world, people are just very willing to help each other. Or stupid too. It can also <laughs> appear like you're dumb. Like here you go, take all of my ETH and buy this JPEG in the hopes that it will gain value. I believed in like the project. I think that's also important. I think uh, Justin Arvison was like kind of the godfather of NFT photography and that, that collection, Twin Flames, is really significant. In terms of like risk or reward, it seemed pretty good to me. Well, but you have to trust the person that you're giving money to, right? <laughs> that's what's <laughs> dumb about it. Yeah, we got these smart contracts. It's all trustless. You can do things without needing any humans. It'll just operate on its own. No, I'll just send you money to your wallet and not do anything trustlessly. That's cool. <laughs> Aww. That's such a touching story that this is my first time <laughs> hearing this story. And I feel really amazed by you as a person. Yeah. And when I reached out to Triple, I was like, can we do this podcast? And he was like very generous and telling me, yeah, of course. And I feel the kindness from you from the very beginning as well. So I, I really appreciate that you're able to make it to the podcast. I know everyone's time is very precious. So No, I'd just be playing Call of Duty beta right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I love supporting apes. Me. Like, yeah. Apes support ape. Got to. So it's all about. Appreciate it. Yeah. So let's get back to the future proof. So you said you guys are doing uh, some investments and, and you mentioned a little bit about your thesis. So have you guys turned down any investments or the projects, companies? And why is yeah. That? Yeah. A good amount like with advising, but also investing. It's just like a lot of times it's just evaluation. It just seems so absurd. Like, why is this thing worth 50 million? What? It doesn't make any sense. That's probably the biggest reason why those get turned on it's just it doesn't it's just crazy to me there's that and then also like again if it's like a project based thing i'm not so into that unless the founders are wildly accomplished or it's just seem like they they themselves have the potential to produce many good things not just have one good idea but primarily like infrastructure work personally i've invested in like this company's think solutions and they i also consult with them me too <laughs> shake hands yeah <laughs> <laughs> so they they've got the AIP open right now for the Yuga specific marketplace that is looking pretty good to pass. It's got uh, like ninety two percent of the vote and that closes on the twenty first. Yeah. So that'd be very nice. Just I need a W is what I'm saying. It's been a, it's just been a, a year of losing money for me. So just need to just need one W to lift my spirits. Yeah, Zach actually came to the podcast one of the episodes talking about the snack solutions. And he'd been telling me this whole story since the very beginning. Because I like the background they have. Yeah. Like they were doing kind of larger scale marketplace, DoorDash, and he's coming out with his co-founder. And he's very determined. He quit his job and willing to be all in. And he's really aggressive on developing the business. And that's something I'm really admire. And he's so passionate about it. Yeah. So he's been scheduled meetings with me and asking like introductions. So I'm like investing good people, especially at earlier stage investments. Like, it's really hard to tell if this business will work. Will the market great, agree with it? It's really hard to tell if their product will be a really good product for everyone to use. But what you can tell is one, this is a person that you can trust. And then two is they've done something in the background. They can handle the large scale when it really comes. Yeah, this is a great. Thank you for sharing your future proof. Is there any area that future proof also interested in other than the infra part of the Web3? I think just like novel mechanics back when token proof was just an idea with Vons, I was like, yeah, this is seems like a no brainer. This makes so much sense because 
everyone points to ticketing as like perfect use case of NFTs. And if you have ticketing, you need authentication of the tickets. So that seemed great. Things like that where it's like, what are companies that are building products that that utilize things about NFTs that are novel and things that are unique to NFTs that, that really give them additional value beyond what the existing systems can do. So that's what I'm and we are interested in mostly. Got it. <clears throat> did you guys do a fundraise for the future proof? No, did not. Oh, wow. So it's pretty much all your funders money to do investments. Yes. Right now. Yes. Wow. We will be though at some point. By the way, I thought it was very funny because, or it was very interesting because when I saw your name, Triple Farmer, where did this name coming from? So I was in college. I was living by myself for the summer. My roommates had gone back home. I was playing The Sims on PlayStation 2. Again, by my lonesome. Playing it online. And this woman was, we were chatting on the, the fucking Sims online, which is the weirdest thing. And she's like, what's your screen name? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't have an AIM screen name that I wanted to give her. So I just started uttering letters. And that's what came out. T-R-O. P.O. Farmer. I don't know where or why. <laughs> and I was like, well, shit, I better register that screen name just in the chance that she contacts me and like my loser ass can have some contact with a woman. So I like quick ran down to my computer, registered trouble farmer. And then that was that. Oh, wow. Like totally random. <laughs> that, do you have a meaning for the Like why it's a farmer behind? Farmer is not random. I don't know. I don't know. It's just what <laughs> came out. It just seemed like a natural conclusion to the name. <laughs> so after that, like you have a peach dot ETH. Was <laughs> yeah. that related? 5 No, it's just, <laughs> I like to fuck around at the end of my screen. But yes, that is my, that is one of my ENS addresses, 5 peaches.eth. If you... <laughs> yeah. And you're like the peach, the fruit or emoji <laughs> ENS is coming. <laughs> I registered that like a year and a half ago. And I really should have just been registering digits at that point. But I'm like, no, emoji ENS. And then, uh, and then now I'm like, People are going to use really emoji because like you got to find the emoji. And if you're on a computer sending stuff through your PC, you're like, you got to find, I don't know how to find emoji quickly on my PC. I just literally type in like peach emoji into Google and go to the first link and copy. That's what I do. And that's not very convenient. That's why I'm not like too hot on emoji ENS until mobile wallets become more commonplace and safe. But, oh, I saw somebody today that they screen capped their three digit ENS sales from six months ago. They had, they sold like four three-digit ENSs for 0.2 each, which is because now they're like 37 each. Profit is profit. And I was like, 0.8 profit is still bigger than zero. It's not as much as 120 ETH in profit that they would have earned now. But uh, yeah, you got to learn to not dwell on those 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 L's masquerading as W's. Yeah, actually, my Twitter ID, veratheape.eth, doesn't own by me. Oh, no. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> you know what happened? Back then, I actually used Verily as my ID and then Verily.eth. I bought Verily.eth. Later, I was like, I don't want people to know my last name. So I changed it to Vera yeah. the Ape. And I was like, call myself the Ape. <laughs> I forgot to register it. And during the East Denver, there is a dead mouse party that I'm like help hosting. We have letting all the apes come into the party. So we have a clear passcode for Vera the Ape. 
And that's how people memorized it. And right oh, after oh. someone registered it, and they <laughs> listed for four E's. No, that's not nice. No, it's for me. And I was like, I'm not gonna buy it. So my brother saw it and he's, do you want me to buy it for you? I'm like, no, thank you. Don't buy this for me. I don't want people like this to make the money from me. So yeah, yeah. if you're a listener and you want to secure your, your ID.ENS, please do it ASAP before someone take it or they're going to sell it for free. I, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Not even ENS, but get like the Tezos equivalent. That's only like a couple bucks or like the Binance Smart Chain or the Soul, like those other chains too. Just, just do it. Why not? Get the unstoppable domains.nft. It's probably worth it. A couple bucks. Yeah. No big deal. Oh, this is amazing to talk with you. But the most important part is Triple's ape story that we have not mentioned. And I think that was very mind blowing when I first hear it. And I feel like you and Yuga are just meant to meet each other and grow developing this special friendship together. So, do you mind to yeah. share a little bit about your ape story? Yeah, of course. It all started April 2021 when a young man named Gordon Goner entered a Discord that I was in one NFT Discord and Gordon showed up to shill his project, Board API Club. He's like, yeah, man, just join. We've got, got this project launching. It's getting real great. Like, you can draw on the bathroom wall if you have the NFT. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. Join the Discord. I think it was like among the first 50 members or something. It just had like a fun vibe. It was obviously really low key at that point, but they had this treasure hunt going on and it had this cool lore behind it. It really jived with the art on the side. It looked good. It just seemed like the team was putting more emphasis into the building of the story than really just trying to hype up the mint. So that got me excited. Joined up there and joined up with a couple of the guys to try to solve this treasure hunt that they had going on because it's really fucking hard granted that the second treasure hunt was even harder that one was insane but the first one was just like so obtuse that it was like almost unsolvable so we needed to get hints from gordon and garga they gave us a few hints to make it a little bit easier because otherwise nobody would have solved it and it was the it was like eight, april 30th the day of the end of the pre-sale so they had like a week or two weeks of just like pre-sale of these apes and they were all unrevealed. And that day was when that ended. And then those apes would be revealed. We solved it that day, got one ETH to split between the three of us and an ape each. So that's how I got an ape. Cause I couldn't, didn't have any money to mint it, even though they were 0.08. Like I didn't have any money. Like I didn't literally did not have 0.08 ETH. Otherwise I would have minted one. Uh, but I got it that day at noon, ape number 18. You can look at the, Provenance, see that it's like transferred from Yuga Labs to me on that day. 6 p.m. that night was the end of the pre-sale and the reveal. And that's when things really popped off. And the next day at three in the morning is when they sold out. And then that day I traded ape number 18 for my ape 2344 in one other blockbuster trade. I like the ape number 18 is cool. It's got like a cyborg guy and robot fur. It's like a cool Terminator match, but just I just didn't vibe with it as much. The one I have now, that's the one. Like, that one's fucking sick. So, fortunately, the trade was accepted. And yeah. Wait, is that the three something is your forever ape? Is this the one that you have right now? Or is it a different one that you traded to? Yeah. Oh, it is. I got that day, the day after, the day of sellout is is my forever ape. It does look at you. I like it. Yeah, uh, like one of my second message in the board Discord, some guy said, Is this a scam? (laughs) And then. 
Gordon Garga said, LOL, no. And I said, I heard it's a scam. And oh, then, you did? <laughs> Gordon, and then Gordon's, wait, are you for real? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I blame Jimmy the monkey. Jimmy's going to be the focus of this, the trial of Jimmy the monkey, which I have no idea what, it, what that is, but it's, I like that there seems to be some kind of like return to storytelling. So that'd be exciting. That's a very exciting story to be able to win the treasure hunt. Because I remember the second one. I don't know the first one because I joined afterwards. I joined May a little bit after that. But the second one was so hard. I thought it was like much easier. So I was guessing, <laughs> oh, maybe it's on the wall. <laughs> Somewhere hidden. Yeah, but yeah. The game was hard. No. It's no. so hard. Oh, it was so hard. I wonder who come up with this treasure hunt. Is There's no way for oh my, big branders can solve those kind of problems. What well, was like professional puzzle people? Like oh. they make puzzles for a living. Yeah. Some group, some company that they contracted to help develop the puzzle. The oh. second one, I don't know about the first one. I think the first one was I'm just like making something just fun. I don't think they put like insane amount of thought into it. But. Oh, no wonder. Cause the second one was very like, I don't even know what works. It's like a tre a real treasure hunting because they had the game and the game was really hard. And I'm going yeah. to places and zoom in and finding out. I'm like, Oh, clicking on everything I can, trying to find a hint. Towards the end, I'm like, there's no way for me to make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at an old post in Discord, and they had the bathroom wall where you could yeah. draw a pixel every yeah, yeah. 15 minutes. And that's like just a funny thing because the CEO of Yuga, she said people are just going to draw dicks on that when she heard that like they had a bathroom wall. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have a screenshot here of the first two pixels on the wall. <laughs> it's my message is the penis begins. And it's. <laughs> <laughs> Two flesh-colored pixels with nothing but white all around it. Right. That was fun, yeah. yeah. Was, did you see there's a, monk, a tiny cute monkey with that and holding a, a stick standing on the yeah, yeah. cloud? Yeah, it's drawn by a bunch of Chinese apes. We have a designing team. Before that, it was like all the words. And then there's a basketball and a rocket next to it. And we're just like, oh, we shouldn't step on other people's toe. Oh, yeah. We were very protective of the basketball. I didn't create the basketball, but I had a uh, deference towards the basketball and I didn't want to see it messed with. So I just wanted there to be like, I remember like negotiating with people in the chat room because there's a channel specifically for the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I think we negotiated like a truce around the basketball, like to maintain a one pixel border between their, your, your section and the basketball. <laughs> and it worked out. I think at the very beginning, we were like a little bit too aggressive and taking too much space. <laughs> we got really upset. And then we we're just like, oh, people are actually really upset about it. At the very beginning, <laughs> we didn't everyone's just doing it for fun. Oh, yeah, the old times. For people who wasn't participating earlier, this is the f how fun we had. And this is how community engaging. And it creates not just the culture, but also the great memory for us that be able to have this conversation during a podcast, <laughs> just talking about the bathroom yeah. and stuff that people have no clue what we're talking. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to the, the topic. I remember that not too long ago, you posted about the Starbucks Web3 program. When you're doing the project investment that you want to bring more people into the industry, and that probably going to bring 30 million users to the Web3. What do you think is needed for bringing the next billion people? I think it just needs to be compelling reasons to use the technology. And I think mostly that's on these organizations to figure out either like w developing innovative use cases that just don't exist now or aren't possible with a database and API technology or well-established, highly used products to figure out how to integrate that technology into their 
their businesses or their their customer flow. And that's why I think like Starbucks is really something that I'm looking forward to. I, I want to get on this test. Like I'm not a big Starbucks consumer, but they're aiming for it to be an extension of their rewards program, like the, an evolution of it in a way. And they have 30 million users of that. I don't know if this is going to affect our bags significantly, like right away. And I don't like care about that part. I just want to see like organizations of that scale, which are not, doesn't get like that much bigger than Starbucks utilizing the technology and creating experiences for the customers that are either not possible without NFTs or possible like a reduced fidelity or a worse experience. So I like what they've talked about. Like the Odyssey program seems cool. Like it's not, it shouldn't be that foreign to users, which I think is important. Like it should just be something that is natural to how they use Starbucks now. Like it's a, an extension of the loyalty program. Like they might just be doing these journeys, which are kind of like quests that are related to either the Starbucks business in some way and like buy a sandwich twice a week. That's a bad example, but, or like maybe it's associated with something geared around like community building. I don't know what their examples of that are <laughs> like doing something that is, is getting the customers closer to each other or closer to like creators and artists and creative people that they've partnered with. So I think it's, it's very significant for the space. I think it's got a lot of potential to get people like familiar with the concepts of web. It's not going to, it's still going to be centralized. It's associated with their Starbucks loyalty ID, which I think is important for on-ramping. People aren't going to make fucking MetaMask and connect that to Starbucks. That's like such a big jump in terms of what you're expecting of your customers that I don't think they would do it. And it introduces like very uh, big security risk to them as well. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm stoked about it. Cause you know, these people will participate in this program and hopefully see some benefit of web three, maybe not from, oh, I made money from it, but oh, I have gotten to know my community better. I feel tighter with them. I've got to do these experiences that I wouldn't, if I hadn't participated in this program, I'm not more loyal to Starbucks, which I'm sure is their ultimate goal. And maybe that extends into other NFT programs or Ethereum, and maybe they make a MetaMask wallet and start diving deeper into existing projects and start building in the space or start learning Solidity and just expanding the pool of people that are participating in Web3 in general. I'm stoked for it. I like it when you say you like for the reality is the people, the normal people don't even need to know MetaMask wallet. They don't even need to know which chain is this NFT is on and they'll be able to participate the community, participate this ecosystem. And we see a lot of Web2 big company, giant companies that are trying to land or Web1 company landing on the Web3. We see like Adidas, mm -hmm. we see Nike. Tiffany, a lot of, it, of the brands are aware of them trying to get in, but not everyone has a very soft landing. What do you think about it? What do you think that they can do better or it's just the timing? It's like tricky. I give a lot of prompts to Adidas to like actually, or Adidas, as I think they pronounce it, like going hard into it. Like, yeah, you need MetaMask. You need some way to, to get your ether over here to mints. Like you need to get on the list. Like they went pretty hard. Like it's cool. Like definitely give a lot of legitimacy to the space at the time and them. And I think about Tiffany, it was cool too, but like their user base was like so small, I think in terms of who would want that, that they were able to offer white glove service to the people who weren't crypto native, which I think makes a lot of sense for them. Yeah. You want people to have these pendants. Maybe they don't know what punks are, but maybe they're 
hardcore Tiffany customers and being able to give them the personal treatment and introduce them that way. Obviously that doesn't scale, but they don't need to scale when like you're selling these for 50 grand. So I think it's, it's certainly a spectrum in terms of like how much educating do you want to do? How accepting of the risk associated with that are you? How much internal support can you provide for quote unquote, like non-native NFT experiences, like things that are straight up on Ethereum or Polygon versus something like Starbucks where that's not like heavily obfuscated to the user. I think that's where adoption is going to happen until there's some kind of breakthrough in like uh, onboarding, I guess. Think about like AOL, something like that, or Netscape where like simplifies the internet experience for the typical person like AOL, you just doubt, you just got this fucking CD mailed to you and you put it in your computer or even a floppy disk and just installed it and you're good to go. You had the modem already in your computer at that point. Most people did. So it's just like easy. I don't think it's easy right now by any means. It's also really scary. <laughs> like sending the first time you send actual money, like to a crypto address is like frightening <laughs> until there's something that makes that comfortable and easier and like less intimidating. We're going to have to rely on experiences like Starbucks that kind of do that for us. Totally agree because the, I like what you, when you say it, we want to have something that already have a bigger audience. It's not just for like a small crowd of people. Like Tiffany is not designed for, or I mean, it's not for everyone. It's pricey mm -hmm. kind of the NFT kind of leave an impression for people to shill. But on the other hand, there are real use cases that be, be able to bring bigger audience like Starbucks. And that's probably a very different approach. I'm going to how the market reacts. Yeah. yeah. You've been growing your like fan base from zero to one. And I like to say from zero to one influencer, what's your secret? I don't know. Getting lucky. Doing a lot of reply guying, being friendly with people who have followings, engagement farming, getting into fights, being a dick, being entertaining, being genuine, engaging spending a lot of time reading and responding to people. Also, I like everything. Like I will like every, literally every reply. I will at least like it. I feel like that's important. Like, I think I looked at my Twitter stats. I think I've liked almost 400,000 things. <laughs> it's just like absurd. That's a lot of clicking. It says to somebody like, Hey, I, I acknowledge your reply. Even if it's like negative, like I like, if somebody trolls me, I like to like the reply and follow them. I think it probably confuses them and makes me laugh. And uh, yeah, just be also like have a perspective too is important. Be opinionated, but also yourself because it's just easier that way. Yeah, I think probably when you first grow your Twitter, you did not even think about getting so many people to follow you. And instead you wanted to create no. very interesting content. Yeah, I just wanted to be like, outspoken, funny, and it's tricky now though. Cause like you kind of, you get out there, you do have responsibility once you reach a certain level of popularity. Exactly. Which I think hampers my ability to be funny. Uh, <laughs> and also hampers my ability to be like a giant asshole, which I do. I do like to be an asshole, but it's hard once you meet people and establish relationships or even like literally want to do business in this space. There's a professional implication to being a dick. So these things weigh on me. Uh, it can stifle my creativity. That's why I do drugs. It helps un unlock these thoughts.
and most of my best content comes late at night. Fortunately, <laughs> that's like the worst time for engagement. Like, <laughs> yeah, as, as, as you grow, the reputation became more important and be careful with what you're saying, but also be consistent with who you are. It's a balance, yeah. right? Yeah, it's good though. Yeah, you can use it to your advantage in terms of making money in different ways, but also I like to use it as like a platform for education to like putting out just security warnings or videos on like how to do proper wallet security or here's how to connect Twitter to your wallet without opening up your ape to potential attack vectors. Like it is rewarding in that way to be able to provide information and help people. Like at ApeFest, I had people come up to me like, dude, like I got my mutant because you, because like the day of mint, like you tweeted out, don't like, don't miss mutants. Here's, if you miss BAYC, here's your next chance. I'll fuck it up. And like people minted because of that. And then they got to participate in the space since then. And they were thankful for it. Or I might've done some security video and they're like, yeah, thank God you did that because it ended up protecting my NFTs when I got hacked. It's, it's good. I feel proud when that happens. That like I was able to be like a, a positive influence on people. That's fascinating. And especially yeah. doing the educations for people and be able to let people benefit it. I think it's like a huge reward for the creators, even that I'm doing podcasts as well, being be able to educate people on things that they, the information gaps and it's yeah. fulfilled. It's a really amazing fulfilling feelings. I think we're about the time. I know you have to go for another thing. I, yeah, I just want to say thanks for hosting me. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much. And hope I'll see you here again. And let's cheers for the future. Thank you for coming. Hell yeah. You're welcome.